Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Today we continue studying the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success with a recorded session from Buffini and Company's elite event, the Peak Experience. This three-day conference is designed specifically for those committed to both personal and professional growth and is truly next-level training. Let's listen in. I love the story of The Wizard of Oz. It's such a wonderful story. In the story itself, in the movie, I remember as a 10-year-old boy watching The Wizard of Oz. Do you guys remember when you saw it for the very first time? So many great scenes. And uh, I'll share with you some of my favorite scenes. One of my favorite were the, the lollipop kids. And just being 10 years old and being a little guy myself, their little dance routine and their voice and what they did for Dorothy was great. Another scene I loved was when Dorothy was heading out to Oz by herself. And everyone was singing, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. You guys, you're giving me chills. But I love that. You just took me back 40 years. So another, another scene I, I love was the witch, how the witch and the flying monkey would scare the dickens out of me. Uh, I had to wear diapers when I watched The Wizard of Oz. But one of my favorites was the dance routine by this tin man. Remember that? And me and my other, seven other siblings, we would always imitate the dance. And our favorite part in the dance was when he would go doodly doo, doodly doo, doo. A little delayed reaction, but no problem. I, I love the, the apple trees, the angry trees. Those were scary in and of themselves. So those were some of my favorite scenes. But the one scene to this day that still gives me chills is the scene when the four characters come together and they make their final push. See, I can really identify with these characters in the fact that they already have a bunch of road behind them, and it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. They're making their final push to their goal. It's as if these characters are saying, we got this. They make a commitment together, and what do they first do is they lock arms. They lock arms with each other as if to say, we're on this journey together. They lock arms with each other as if to say, I got your back, you got mine. They lock arms with each other as if to say, we're better off being together than we are alone. And then off they go. They are off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. So what I want to share with you is they go off locking arms and how do they propel themselves down the yellow brick road? Do they walk? Do they run? Do they take an Uber? <laughs> no, they lock arms and they skip. And they sing as they skip. Now, when was the last time you skipped? I'm not saying skipping your calls or skipping your notes or skipping your Popeyes. I'm talking about when did you physically skip? Because you think about the whole motion of skipping it's playful, it's focused, it's confident, and it's moving forward. And I love that, locking arms and skipping. 
Now, here's what I know on my own journey. It always hasn't been skipping for me. You know, heading down that road of success, there's bumps and bruises along the way. Maybe like these characters, you get stuck along the road a time or two. Have, have any of you have ever felt stuck a time or two on your journey? Me too. Me too. And I've thought about this a lot, and I try to look at why, when I have a goal that I want to try to achieve, why is it that I get tripped up and get stuck? And here's, here's what I've broken it down to. You can look at it right here. There's a few of them. Here are the three reasons people get tripped up. It's number one, it's because of limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs, beliefs that hold us back. We all know that the brain and the way you think has so much impact on what you do, an impact on your life. Limiting beliefs. And here's the scariest part of limiting beliefs. I'm always reflecting and going, there may be some limiting beliefs that I have that I'm not even aware of. Those are the scary part. Another reason why people get tripped up and stuck is prideful interactions. Prideful interactions. Now, pride's not always a bad thing. I take pride in my family. I take pride in my business. I take pride in my relationship I have with my clients. But sometimes pride can turn sour. That's why ancient scripture says, pride cometh before the... Here's another one, paralyzing fears. Fears aren't bad. They're normal. The problem is when they paralyze us. And I'm always trying to be conscious of, you know, what am I afraid of? And I'm not talking about being afraid of the wicked witch or the flying monkeys. I'm talking about those private little conversations and situations in your own heart that are holding you back. Maybe you're afraid of achieving your goal or extending yourself or asking for help. So let me just ask you, how many of you have had limiting fears, prideful interactions, or paralyzing fears that have held you back? Can I just see a show of hands? All right, me, me too. Me too. But where does the answer lie? Well, the answer lies right here. And I'm going to give you the solutions. How many of you would like to go skipping down the road to your destiny of success, whatever that might be? You want to do it playful. You want to have fun. You want to be at peace. Me too. Me too. And this is where I found the solutions rest for me, and I think there might be something in it for you. Is learning from our three friends here, the scarecrow, tin man, and lion. What was the scarecrow looking for? A brain. The tin man? A heart. And what was the lion looking for? Courage. And in this situation, he was looking for courage to overcome his fears so he would take action and get something done with his hands. This is what I'm going to talk about. Where's the brain located? In the head. That's right. All right, so it's head, heart, hands. Head, heart, hands. Let's say it together. One, two, three. One more time. Okay, let, let's go for it. Let's talk about skipping down the road, having peace, getting to where you want to go. The first spot we want to look at is in the head, right? And what's in your head is your brain. And what does your brain do? It's think, thinks. So here it is, the head it represents by the, by the scarecrow. It's one's mindset or way of thinking. The scarecrow was actually invented by the Romans over 3,000 years ago. They invented the scarecrow 
so that it would keep the birds out of the crops. So here you have ancient cultures using it for 3,000 years, the scarecrow to scare the birds out of the crops, right? Now here's what modern day science says. The effectiveness of a scarecrow lasts only 72 hours. Did you see the, the segment of the movie where the scarecrow, he goes, I can't even scare a crow, and that's my name. He needed to be here, knowing that for 3,000 years, scarecrows don't scare crows. And now he's awfulizing it for himself. Here's my guess. He had a brain already. I believe his mindset wasn't the best. His mindset wasn't the best. What's, what is a mindset? A mindset is a, is, a, is a set of beliefs that determines one's behavior, outlook, and mental attitude. That's your mindset. It's a set of beliefs. And there's actually two mindsets that exist. There's the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. So for example, there are people who have the mindset about money. You know, money is something, some people have the mindset that says money is a good thing. It allows me to provide for my family, uh, save for retirement. It allows me to care for others. But yet there's another mindset out there that says money is the root of all. There's two different mindsets. There's also a mindset about being good. So some people have a mindset that says, you know, be good. Uh, you reap what you sow. You know, get out there and good, do good things for people. There's another mindset that says good guys finish. Yeah, two, two different mindsets. You get it? Now, I want to share something with you. I came across a book, and I normally come across a book one every like five or six years that I go, this book is awesome. It's a game changer. I read this book. I listened to the audio of it. I read it again and studied it, and I'm prepared to share some of it with you. I want you to go out and get this book and read it. It's called Mindset. It's called Mindset. Now, has anyone read this book? Okay, a few of you. I encourage you, read it again. Study it. Study it. Some great, great content. And what I want to share with you here is your mindset is everything. The author is uh, Carol Dweck, and she's actually a Stanford psychologist that's been doing a study on human performance for the last 20 years. Here's the cornerstone statement of this book. A person's mindset is the one determining factor to achieving success and reaching their fullest potential. So it's a person's mindset that is the one determining factor to achieving success and reaching their fullest potential. Here's the point. The person's mindset is the one determining factor into reaching your fullest potential. So let me just touch on it briefly, because in the book, Carol will talk about the two different mindsets. She'll talk about the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. And she'll tell you, we all have a choice on what we choose. Here's what I try to do. This is what I try to do in my own life. I try to get into the growth mindset as much as possible. Here's what she said. The fixed mindset is a mindset whereby your intelligence, your abilities, and your skills are fixed. You can't improve them. If you can't sing and you can't dance, well, you're out of luck. If you're not good with money, well, that's just the way you are. 
Where on the other hand, she said there's a growth mindset out there that says you can enhance your intelligence, you can enhance your abilities and skills. Are you, are you tracking with me? They've done all these studies on growth and fixed mindset. They would do a study where they would take 100 sixth grade boys and girls and they would give them a puzzle to do. They're trying to determine what mindset these kids have. They do a puzzle. All these kids would successfully do the very first puzzle. Then they came back later in the day and gave the kids an option. You can do this puzzle that you did earlier this morning that you got correct, or you can do this puzzle right here that's a little bit more challenging, a little bit more difficult. Many of the kids, close to 80% of the kids, went to do the puzzle that they already did. And then there was a small percentage that chose the more challenging puzzles. They chose the challenging puzzles. These are the type of people that would choose to get into real estate. <laughs> Here's what she would say in this book, and you can read more of it on your own. She was saying right there at the sixth grade level, we can see the development of a mindset and the way someone approaches opportunity. Many people that are in the fixed mindset would take opportunities that affirm their intelligence, that affirms their success. The growth mindset, it doesn't matter if you think I'm intelligent or not. I'm looking for a challenge. I'm looking to stretch. I'm looking to grow. I'm looking to learn, which is kind of the, the group we fall into. Now, there's actually six areas that she broke down in the book. There's six areas that reveal someone's mindset. So for example, when it comes down to effort, when it comes down to effort, the fixed mindset will say, why should I do some extra calls, notes, and Popeyes? It doesn't really have an impact. The growth mindset says, I'm gonna do my calls, notes, and Popeyes today, and then I'm gonna do more. There's a work ethic that's connected to this. So your mindset affects your work ethic, your effort. There's another area that she looked at and it was other people's success. How do you feel when you hear someone else is doing well? How many of you feel over the moon, happy for them, you, you, great for them? How many are like me? Sometimes you feel like I'm happy for them, but what's wrong with me? What can I do more? What can I feel a sense of inadequacy? What can I do? Carol would say in the book that if you're happy for someone, you fall more into the growth mindset. If you're not upset with them, but you feel like you're not so excited about them, then you fall more into this group right here. There's actually six of them. Now, I'm not going to give you the whole book here, but here's the point I'm trying to make, is that we oscillate. We oscillate back and forth between the growth and the fixed mindset. If you want to go skipping down that road to where you want to go, your mindset will help you get there. Does that sound good? I'm going to give you a couple other tips, all right, how to get the mindset right. I'll share with you what I do. Okay, does that sound good? All right, number one is I practice self-awareness. I always practice self-awareness. If there's a problem, a situation, on a listing appointment, a client goes sideways, a deal goes sideways, I try not to get a bad attitude and blame people. What I always do, I'll always ask myself a series of questions. I'll always reflect. Does this person have a legitimate point of view? You know, someone didn't order the termite inspection. What could we have done to prevent that from happening? How can we make it right? So here, here's a few questions. Here's a few questions. It's not the comprehensive list, 
But here's what I would do. I would ask myself the questions like this, becoming more self-aware. What feedback did I receive? Next is, what would I do differently next time? I want to learn from it. I don't want to keep on stepping on people's toes. And then the third one is, how can I make it right? I want to become self-aware on how I think. It's almost like taking a selfie. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's over 95 million selfies taken each and every day. Take a selfie of your thoughts. Work on self-awareness. Next is establish empowering beliefs. We all know that how you think makes a difference. Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. He says, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can what? So why not establish your own belief system and get on the growth side? I'll share with you some of my empowering beliefs. You guys want to hear them? It's, there's no such thing as failure. There's only And feedback is my Next is through hard work and effort, I can achieve anything. The cream always rises to the top. And the next one is I persist until I succeed. So you got to establish your own empowering beliefs. Next is understand and embrace the process of success. I don't know about you, but true success, it isn't always sunshine and rainbows, is it? I mean, that's not the way it is in Chicago anyway. There's potholes and detours and obstacles, and it's tough. But the key is, is when you're on that road, is always stay on the growth side. I love this quote right here. When the mind is weak, a situation becomes a problem. When the mind is balanced, the situation becomes a challenge. But when the mind is strong, the situation becomes a what? Opportunity. Here's what I've learned is the scarecrow, he was looking for more than just the brain. He was looking for a way to think. He talked with Dorothy. He had a choice. He's just hanging out in a cornfield. And he had an opportunity to stay fixed up on that pole or to adopt the growth mindset. And here's what happens. Again, this is Dorothy's coming along with the scarecrow. They talk a little bit. Dorothy says, come on with me. And then what do they do? They lock arms and they go off skipping. As if to say, we're on this journey together. Dorothy's saying, I got your back. And that we're better together than being alone. And away they go. And then as they go along, who do they run into? The tin man. What's the tin man looking for? A heart. So here it is. The heart, it represents one's innermost feelings and motivations. And the heart can be set in two positions, open and closed. Here's what I know for a fact. Closed heart, closed road to success. Open heart, open road to success. I've sat at thousands of kitchen tables with people, doing sellers and buyers, doing presentations. I know this. People often ask me, what do you say? Can I see your listing presentation? Here's what I could tell you. A majority of the time, when I have an open heart, it communicates more strongly than anything I can say myself. You guys know what I'm talking about? So let me just share with you how I try to keep my heart open on this journey of success. So I have a sense of peace and I can continue to skip down the road to success. Are you with me? Here it is. This is what I would do. I'd practice this. Number one is be humble. Be humble. 
See, the truth is hard to swallow when you're choking on your pride. Isn't that true? I'm not saying that being humble, just say for me, I, I have five boys. I'm so proud of my boys. Uh, my oldest guy wound up playing basketball at Indiana University a couple years back. He played an instrumental role in them winning a Big Ten championship. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying, ooh, I need to suppress that so I can be humble. And when someone asks me, how are the boys doing? I don't go, oh, no, they're doing no good. No, they're terrible. Oh, things are bad. I'm not saying that's even humility in and of itself. I'm saying humility at a deeper level. So let me just share with you three practices that I try to do as far as in the skill of building more humility. All right, you ready? Here's number one, learning in general. Learning in general. The teacher is always superior to the student. So the student who learns and opens them up and grants the authority to the teacher is humble in their own right. You guys know I do basketball. My five boys, they play basketball. Julie and I actually run one of the largest uh, youth basketball programs in the city of Chicago. I run into a lot of parents, and uh, I, don't, I don't get into just catering to people. I want kids to really learn what life is all about through sports. So I'm talking as one parent at one of the games, and I was telling him, I don't make my living doing the basketball. It's kind of a, a passion I have that I do with my family. And he goes, really? Then what do you do for a living? I go, I do sales training. I get up and I present and yada, yada. He goes, ooh, me too. Now, what you need to know is in this little world of sales training, there are humongous egos out there. And one guy is always trying to one-up the other. And everything is always sunshine and rainbows. I've never had a bad day. So, and this guy kind of more fell into that class. So I wind up talking with him. So here's what I do. Here's another person that does the same thing I do. Now, his audience, his largest audience that he's ever presented to, ranged between 55 and 60 people. I'm not going to ego trip them and go, but let me tell you what my buddy and I, Brian, do. I humble myself because I'm thinking, one, I don't want to make them feel bad. And the other is I want to learn from them. So we get together for lunch, and he's teaching me one thing. He's teaching me another. And there's little bits and pieces that I can use in a presentation. And then we end our lunch. He not one time asked me, how he can get better in his craft, which is, that's okay. Now, he's later gone on to do a little research online, and uh, he's come back and said, can I get together with you? I had to tell him, you got to get in line, get in line. We'll see what we have for you later on. I'm about six months booked out. But the truth of the matter is just, I try to do my very best. Every opportunity to learn from a seller, another agent, I learned from many of you guys. I've learned from Brian. So number one is just in learning. Number two is in interactions. Have you ever had a prideful interaction that just didn't go as well as it could be? Here's what I think. I know myself, I fall in the trap of always wanting to be right. You ever fall in that trap? Here's what I learned real early in real estate. You don't get paid for being right. You get paid when the transaction closes. Is that right? Am I right? Of course, of course. And the next one is just assessing my own mistakes and errors along the way, taking full responsibility. In learning, 
in interactions, in assessing mistakes. I constantly try to take a position of humility. Next, to open my heart, is be honest. Be honest. I'm not talking about someone gave you a $10 bill and you only gave them a five and I gave them the wrong change and let me make it right. And let me get, I'm not talking about being that level. That, that's understood. I'm saying be honest with yourself and how you represent yourself. Here's the last one is be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Well, I'll give you the, the, the definition of it. it. To me, it's just being comfortable enough in my own skin, have the ability to put myself out there and absorb the judgment, opinions, and criticisms that come my way. And I think being vulnerable is not all about, let me tell you about my problems here. It's about just being transparent and being who you are. And I think real estate, this business gives us a lot of opportunity to be transparent. Vulnerable questions would be like this. Asking someone to help, will you help me? Or if that's a little bit too vulnerable for you, you could say, can you do me a favor? That's a little bit safer. Or to maintain relationships, have you ever said this? You're right, I'm wrong. Have you ever said that? Is it hard for you to say? Here's the next one. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Maintaining relationship. Now, now you, you could say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And it could be more assumptive. But I know this. I learned early in my life how important it is to say sorry, be vulnerable, as opposed to being prideful. They're always trying to be right. Wayne Dyer said this, if you have to choose between being kind and being right, choose being kind and you'll always be right. Because what happens is you work so hard for relationships, you build them over a long period of time, and they can be destroyed in one experience. My dad is a man's man. Passed away when I was 24 years old, but the greatest legacy he ever gave me is when I watched him interact with my mother. He came home one day, uh, working out, working two jobs, trying to feed eight children, trying to get us through private schools. He wasn't a guy that went golfing or went to the bar with his buddies. He would come home, be with his family, give my mom a break. And he came home, and, and my mom and him had some exchange that wasn't good. My mom started crying. We were all scampering around the house. We knew what went on. So my dad, seeing that he hurt my mother, he actually called the whole family together and he apologized to my mother right in front of us. I, I look at that and I go, well, that's a legacy that my dad left for me. Now, I've gotten real good at apologizing to Julie. <laughs> open heart, open road to success. Closed heart, closed road to success. Be humble, be honest, be vulnerable, and you have the open heart. That, that's what this guy decided to do. He chose to be open. And then after he decided to have the open heart, what did he do? He wind up locking arms with the scarecrow and Dorothy. And they go skipping off. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. And as they go, it's as if they're saying, we're on this journey together. I got your back. You got my back. We're better off together than we are alone. And away they go. And who do they run into? The lion. What's the lion looking for? He's looking for courage. Now, here's, this is interesting. 
Why do you think he's looking for courage? He's afraid, right? He was looking for courage because he wanted to overcome some fear. And the hands represent action and doing. So the hands are one's typical behaviors or actions. One's typical behaviors or actions. Here's what I found. That one's typical behaviors or actions fall into one of two classes. Either you're doing stuff that's comfortable, where you're in your comfort zone, or you're doing stuff outside your comfort zone, being courageous. It's either comfortable or courageous. I love this quote from Winston Churchill. He said, courage is rightly esteemed the first of human qualities because it's the quality which guarantees all others. When I practice being courageous and get outside my comfort zone, I'm more apt to be vulnerable, I'm more apt to be honest, I'm more apt to be humble. It unleashes everything else. Courage is huge. Now, I know what you're thinking. Courage is not running into a burning building. All right, I have two brothers. They're chiefs on the Chicago Fire Department. Now, in the early days, what my brothers would do is I would be a fire fan or I would do this thing called a ride-along. So my brothers would be in a very, very active part of Chicago. I mean, they're guaranteed a good two or three fires a night. And I would come and hang out at the firehouse with them as a real estate guy, right? And I would come in and they'd say, come on, let's hang out. We'll bring you into a burning building with us. And I had to think, well, what's their motivation? But no, 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 just check it out, you know, see what it's like. And I go, oh, great, I, when I'm staying over, the alarm goes off, we run out to the site, false alarm. Next time, we're, a couple hours later, alarm goes off, go out there. I'm like, let me in, let me in, I'm going. False alarm. We wind up going to bed, 2.15 in the morning. The alarm kicks on. The firemen are scurrying. My brother wakes me up and said, this is the real one. And I started shaking in my boots. And he's like, get in. I get in the, to the truck. We're going to the site. They turn the corner, and there's this two-story building just billowing with smoke. Just flames coming out the top. My brother looks at me and goes, you coming with? And I go, I'm not feeling good. Maybe I just stay right here. I put him up, put him up. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. You know. And then later on, I felt, I felt bad. I felt like a coward. And until we got back to the firehouse, and I remembered that my two brothers, Tom and Charlie, before they got called to get on the fire department, they got their real estate license. And I remember them in the real estate office when they would go get a listing and they priced it too high and the home would sit on the market for two and a half months with no showings. How they were scared spitless to go in and try to get a price reduction. And even to this day, they'll tell me, how do you do that? How do you, how do you spend time with people? Why do you take a listing? And what if it doesn't sell? What do you say to them? How do you say it? Do you feel like you let them down? And the more they talk to me, the more I realize that what we do each and every day is pretty courageous. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And the more courage we lean into, the more we get to where we want to go. So, so let's learn some lessons from the lions. Here's number one. Recognize that fear is normal. Fear is normal. But here's what I've always tried to do. When I feel the fear, I do it anyway. You can't think. You just got to do it. That's what I've tried to do. And I realize that my fears get squashed when I do that. 
a recent study from the Institute of uh, National Institute of Mental Health says that 60% of the things we feared will never take place. They say that 88% of the things we fear in relationship to our health will never take place. And then they'll say 90% of the things we fear are considered to be insignificant issues. And if you have any amount of life behind you, you know that is true. We kind of sweat the small stuff. As a matter of fact, there's many people that have financial fears. There's this cute story about an agent who had these financial fears. He goes into his managing broker and says, you have to give me a raise on my commissions. There's three other companies after me. And the broker goes, well, which companies are they? Who are they? He said, it's the gas company, the electric company, and the phone company. Here's Eleanor Roosevelt. She said, you gain strength and courage and confidence by every experience which you really stop to look fear in the face and do the thing you think you cannot do. Just do it, just do it, just do it. Which leads to my next point here, this age-old remedy for fear. I've learned it. It's been a long time. It's called the Nike-Joma sequence. It's been around a long time. Invented by the Greeks. You actually go through Greece and you'll see it carved in stone in different places in Greece. And what they have found is that when you use a sequence, one right after another, when you're thinking about a fear that you have and you say the sequence over and over again, the fear melts away. And it makes you more courageous to get to where you want to go. All right, so I'll give you the three sequences together. It goes like this. This is it. This is the affirmation. Are you ready? It's just do it. Just do it now. Just do it again. Just do it. Just do it now. Just do it again. There's a sequencing to it. There's a rhythm to it. I'd like to do the therapy on you now. Are you game for it? Yeah. All right, here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes. I want you to think about a fear that you currently have. Is it a financial fear? Is it a relational fear? Just think about it right now. Take a deep breath. Breathe in. And breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Okay, I want you to think about this fear. And I want to see you crushing that fear. And as you're thinking about the fear, I want you to just say the affirmation I just shared with you. You're going to do that activity. So what you're going to say is, just do it. Just do it now. Just do it again. Just do it. Just do it now. Just do it again. A little bit louder. Just do it. Just do it now. Just do it again. Do you feel some of that fear melting away? Do you see yourself doing that activity? See, because that sequence will help you crush that. We all know just do it. You hear the, the, the shoe company. I always tell my children, just do it now. No other way, now. And then my mother would always say, just do it again. Just do it again, do it again. Nike Joma. Did you write it down? Because that's where it came from. Nike, <laughs> Joe, and then my ma. Are you guys having fun? I'm having a blast. Come on. Are you ready? All right. So here we go. Here we go. So think about this. this the lion here, the lion, 
He had a choice to be comfortable, stay at the side of the road. He made the courageous choice. He said, Dorothy, he said, the scarecrow, Tin Man, I'm coming with. And what he did was he locked arms with Dorothy, the scarecrow, the Tin Man, and off they go. My favorite scene in the whole movie. They make the final push after locking arms and skipping away. Isn't that neat stuff? Now, here's what I want to tell you. You want more peace in what you do? Here's what I found for me. Here's what I found for me. I find when I have an alignment of my mindset, if my heart is open and my hands are taking action, it unleashes my potential. I find like I make progress. Alignment of the head, heart, hands, unleash potential. Wow, I loved that session. I'm sure, like me, you could listen to this inspiring content over and over again. And until next time, here's Brian's mum with an Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. 